Thanks, Ron. And good morning, family. Super excited to be here and get to spend the morning together. Um, it's kind of amazing that we talk about being family and uh, just watching even the chat before this, or if you've been on morning coffees on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, um, just the, the connectivity that's going on um, between people, but then also just the fact that we get to journey this together, that in this space, at, at this time, in this way that through technology we can still essentially be together even though we all long for in person um, we're just grateful that we get to do this together uh, today and um, I don't know about you but but the conversation of reopening and it's it's all over our nation and specifically even in our state and uh, questions are rising around it what does it mean uh, we just want to let you know uh, we are doing our best to um, just lean into wisdom that's coming from uh, different officials and especially the White House. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, the White House has released uh, different phases that the country will open, reopen by. And along with that, um, it's kind of left up to the different governors to interpret for their context, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so we've been uh, following Governor Ducey and just um, listening to what he's got to say. And we just want you to know that, church, we long as much as you do um, to be back together. However, we're just going to follow um, this criteria that's in place that for phase one to even begin, there's a criteria that has to be in place. Phase one has specific guidelines that we're going to hold to um, as our governor does. And then we'll just follow that through phase two and phase three. So a lot of you have been asking, like, what does reopen mean? What does it look like for the church? We can't wait to get back. Um, we have all those same emotions. You just need to know that we're going to step into this as we can. And we're going to walk into this with wisdom um, best we can. And so far, God's gone before us and, and following him and leaning into the spirit and trying to trust that we're doing things in his timing and his way. And we're going to continue to do that. So um, hopefully that answers some of the questions. We are going to follow the criteria that's in place and uh, specifically listening to our own governor and what that looks like. So um, this morning, Ron touched on it, but just want to encourage you because I've been in your spot. Uh, there have been multiple times now where um, I'm longing for Sunday to come because I'm at home and um, I've been isolated. And so when Sunday comes, uh, but my house is chaotic on Sunday. And so doing church at home has been a learning process for our family. I'm sure it's kind of the same for you, but I would just encourage you today. One of the ways that you can get the most out of this time, even though it's through a screen, is get something to take notes on. Um, I would also I would almost recommend just having something handwritten um, just because there's no notifications on paper. Right. So um, but I would encourage you to to lean in that way. I think it'll be helpful. It's something you carry through the week and and begin to really um, just process by yourself over time. And so we're excited. We, we are. We did start a new series. If you didn't hear Ron's last week, you have to go back. It is the foundation for all of it. Um, he went through who we are um, in Jesus, what we've been given, um, and, and talking about just the idea of names and how that affects us and labels. And, and I would just encourage you to uh, use that as a platform. Go back, look at that, because it really sets us up for where we're going in this series. The series is called Otherworldly, which sounds a little weird. Um, and even writing it down for, for study, it, it's a weird phrase, otherworldly. And, and yet, uh, for us, we, we're really just leaning into the truth and into the reality that there are these moments in Scripture where it becomes very clear in the New Testament 
that we uh, are not citizens of this earth, that we are actually forever citizens in a relationship with God who has a kingdom and we are citizens of his kingdom. We are citizens that, that get to live for the kingdom of God. And everything we do should then be put through a lens of what does that kingdom, what does that world, which is otherworldly, what does it look like to look at our lives, live our lives, walk through what does scripture say about us specifically when it has to do with where we belong and where is home. And so we're going to lean into this this morning. If you have a Bible or you have your phone and, and your Bible's on your phone and Um, We're in Colossians to begin with. We're in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to kind of walk through this today and just look at one aspect that Ron mentioned last week. One aspect of being otherworldly. But specifically in setting up this whole idea of otherworldly, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 starts out this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So there's that distinction of above where God is and the dwelling place of God that we often call heaven. Like set your mind on that space and it specifically says not on earthly things. There's a distinction drawn between God's kingdom and this earthly kingdom that we find ourselves in. Verse three carries on, for you died, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We've talked about this before. You've seen this if you've been around Heights. If not, it'll be new to you. Um, But I want to start with just this idea of how this verse plays out. Because if if this jar represents Christ... If this jar represents Jesus, then, then I got some friends that I'm bringing with me today, by the way. And uh, they kind of remind me. They kind of remind me. I, I don't know if you can, you can see that. But they remind me of the coronavirus, specifically stay-at-home haircuts. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've hit that point where I'm like, okay, it's going to get long. I'm going to start looking like a troll doll before long. And uh, some of you may look a little more like, this though, you know what I mean? Like you wake up and, and you go, what's, what's the point in doing the do today? You know, like, so you just wake up and it's going all different directions. Um, but about a couple of other friends, this one, this one, um, is going to represent me, but this, this really is maybe pre coronavirus versus this may actually be me post-coronavirus, you know, like, I don't know about you, but find myself maybe eating just a little bit more, um, maybe, and cooking fresh bread and everything else that goes with it. And, um, but if this represents me or represents you, represents us, um, what happens is, according to this verse, when Jesus died, we died with him and our life, our life is now hidden is now placed in Christ. The your life is hidden inside the very life of Christ Jesus. The, the, the reality that to see you now is essentially to see Jesus. We talked about this before. We had a much larger jar. We had Christoph in it. We, we, we've talked about this concept. 
But, but this idea that, that, that builds within this, that, that you are otherworldly, and it specifically says that, that as you are in, your life is hidden in Christ, that says two things about what we do with our desire and what we do with our attention. It says, set your heart, set your desire. Set means to actively participate. It's something you do in the moment. Actively participate about what? About setting your heart, set your desires, and set your mind, set your thoughts, and set your consciousness on what? Things above. Where? Your life is hidden in Jesus. Where is Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. You are at the right hand of God the Father. Oh, you, you may be here, but your, your permanent standing in Christ, hidden in Jesus, is, is now with, now with God the Father, because you are in Jesus. And this builds then, right? Because this, this is the otherworldly piece, that we set our minds on things above. We set our minds um, on, on things that are a part of God's kingdom. But then it builds further in, in verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, and my translation, the, the NIV says, dearly loved. But there was a word, there was a word I grew up with, right? That, that where we translate this dearly loved in the NIV, the word I grew up with in the English Standard Version and a couple of other versions of the Bible still hold to this translation that is, and I learned to say it this way, beloved, um, but we're just going to say beloved today. That you, according to this verse, as God's beloved, as God's beloved, you today are loved by God. Not only loved by God, you are beloved. Loved. What does that mean? You be loved. By who? By God. Turn to those in your room. If you're alone, you can say it to yourself because it's just good, good to say out loud. But if you're sitting with a bunch of people, look at them right now and you go, you be loved. By who? By God. You ready? One, two, three. You tell the person next to you. Why is it so important? Because this is so much more. This is a name that has been put on your very soul as someone in Jesus, someone who has said yes to this epic story, someone who has surrendered themselves and gone, man, I need Jesus to save me. Someone in that space, what happens is you are now the beloved of God himself. And this is such a big deal. Because no matter where you go, what you do, as someone whose life is hidden in Jesus, you are the beloved of God. Maybe, maybe we could do this on our, on our, little, uh, our little character. It just reminds us, like a label, let's see if we can get this right. Like a label on your soul, you are the beloved of God for all of eternity. You know, right? You know, right? That you never have to doubt, does God love me? It's the name on your soul. It's the label of your soul. You, you, you are, you are the loved of heaven. 
You are the loved of God everywhere you go. Whether you wear a mask like we were right before this, before we sit in front of a camera, or we don't. When we go to the store, or we don't. When we're sitting at home and we're in isolation or not, we are, we are the beloved of God. And I wanna, I wanna show you, I wanna build this, this picture if you'll let me. Um, in a way that is really high tech. We are high tech today. We got jars and toys. So, but I would love for you, I would love for you to see this because I think it builds it out further of what it actually means to be the beloved of God that even when Corona shows up in our world, and things seem very uncertain. You know what doesn't change, right? Your life is hidden in Christ and you are the beloved of God. You be loved, even in the midst of circumstances like coronavirus. But, but what, about, what about when storms come? See, see, here's the thing. This is where we get confused, right? Because the Bible clearly says that, that he loved us first that he chased us down, that we didn't somehow get good enough that God stepped into our world. But when storms come, what often happens is we begin to question, we begin to ask ourselves, we begin to get nervous. Like, like does God still love me? You need to know your, your beloved by God does not change even when storms show up, like, like health scares that you can't explain. It does not change who you are and what you've been given by Jesus spreading his arms out on a cross and dying for you and changing you, that when God says you are a new creation today, in the midst of storms, you are a new creation whose label on your soul, whose name on your soul is you are the beloved by God. But what about when, when financial trouble comes your way? Financial struggles. Man, you want to talk about a real one in our world today. One of the big unknowns that we find ourselves inside of, for some of you, it's become a very harsh reality very quickly. Just on the way here, I heard about somebody else that lost their job recently and they were praising God because there was the potential of a, of a new job showing up, new possibilities. But even in the midst of what's written there, and I believe this is from Michigan, but even in the midst of bankruptcy, even in the midst of the worst financial struggle, you are the loved, beloved of heaven. What about relational turmoil? What about, what about when relationship struggles? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sure a lot of us can relate to different things that we've heard, even what Jala was sharing of, you know, like, like it's hard. I'm home with these people all the time and I love them dearly. But relationship struggles are real. What about when relationship struggles get so bad that there's a separating? 
What about when things begin to fall apart? And reality of that is that you are still, you are still, even in the midst of the worst relationship struggle, you are the beloved of heaven because being loved by God was never dependent on you. It was always by grace. It will always be by grace. And you are loved today by God because it's the name on your soul. How? By a cross that has his blood on it to tell you for all of eternity that no matter what happens, no matter what you face, you are loved today by God. What about when mental struggles begin to set in, when anxiety becomes real, when depression becomes so real, you don't want to get out of bed. It doesn't change who you are before God. And and in this, in this, at its worst, you are still the beloved of heaven. What about in death? What about at the ultimate worst that we can imagine? You are still, you are still secure because you are loved by heaven. See, see, it changes, right? Because some of us, man, this is, this is where we're at. Our circumstances are this way. But others, our circumstances, maybe not on a beach and on vacation right now, but some of us, our circumstances are good. Some of us, we're thriving right now. And even in the good, you don't change. Your life is hidden in God and you are still the beloved of heaven. When your family surrounds you and is special. I've, I've heard this this week that, that one of the things I really hope we don't lose is what we've learned about family and people and what we, we care for and long for. But even in the midst of the best moments of families, even in the midst when you got your dogs and your, your daughter's new fiance, somehow that's a good moment, Right? Just kidding, Noah's great. Go to Starbucks, He's, he'll serve you. But even in those moments, even in those moments, you're still loved by heaven. Not any more, not any less than you can be because you are fully loved by Almighty God. What about when you're wealthy and things are good? You're still loved, it doesn't change. What about when sports comes back, right? Because sports is a big deal. We can't wait for sports to come back. Who knew? But in the good times of sports, what, it doesn't change. I'm still, still the beloved of God. And even when we get to have coffee and sit down at a table with a friend or a meal, can you imagine dining in somewhere? Oh man, cannot wait for that day. But here's the reality that even though all the circumstances have changed, even though life has shifted to good, bad, maybe it's mixed, even in the midst of all of that, you need to understand today, you are, you are loved by Almighty God. And that will not change, cannot change, because it was purchased by Jesus, not you. You see, love made you love. Love made you love. What do I, what do I mean by that? That your name prior to this was not love, but love and the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf made you love. You are love today. That this, this is a representation of you. That your life is hidden. Your life is hidden in Christ. And in Christ, you are loved to the... What, what does this look like? Because there's, there's some people in scripture that, that actually use this phrase when describing themselves. In John chapter 11, in John chapter 11, there's a moment when... Um, Lazarus is sick and his sisters rush to Jesus 
And they get there, and in verse three, they say this, Lord, the one you love, the one you love is sick. The one you love. It's an identification that was placed on him. In fact, what's crazy about this, they don't even roll in there and go, hey, uh, Jesus, if you could do us a favor, uh, if, you, if you could help us out. In fact, what they appeal on is the very thing that has motivated God for all of eternity. What motivated Jesus to come to the planet in the first place? Love. What motivates in this moment? Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus goes on to raise Lazarus from the dead. So, so this idea of naming ourselves by, by love. Um, in chapter 13, in chapter 13, In verse 23, they're reclining at the table. The disciples are wrapped around Jesus. And look what John says, who's writing this. He says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. So John, who's writing this, that that God preserves for us, John goes, hey guys, I'm the one, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Essentially, AKA, he's saying, uh, I'm the favorite. I'm God's favorite. You know, right, that, that, that we are all God's favorite today, which doesn't make sense to us, but that's the premise that John lives his life by. He goes, hey, I'm the one Jesus loved. From this point on in the story, he continues to refer to himself this way, that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that I am loved by Jesus. And it's crazy if you, if you jump over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, Listen how it plays out then in John's life in later life when John's an old man and he's, he's writing this. But later in life, and, and sorry, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, it says this. There is no fear in love. Remember, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he, he's learned about love. He's accepted that this is his identity. I am this person. God loves me. I am his favorite. He loves me. This is how... Sorry, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John says there's, there's no fear in love. Fear and love cannot go together, cannot coexist at the same time. And so where, where we began this with Colossians, right? There were otherworldly. Otherworldly means we are beloved. And as otherworldly people, love is the marker of our life. So when I'm living in fear, what I'm actually living in is a space that I was not designed for as a new creation. Because as a new creation, if I am living in fear, I cannot live like I really am, the identity I am, who God says I am, that you are love you are love. You be loved by God. And if you jump back, if you jump back, and we're going to wrap all this up with four points very quickly. Jump back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, which is where we started. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you over all these virtues 
put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. What he's saying here is, is put on, put on what you really are. He's going, put on what you really are. Clothe yourselves in these things. As a new creation, as someone who's been given something new, put it on, and this should be the marker on your life. Four things to wrap up. The first one is this, and we learn it from Lazarus, right? That if we are going to make requests to God, request out of love. What do I mean? Hey, instead of, instead of motivating God by how good you are, instead of motivating God to move based on your pleading with him, what we learn from Lazarus is we should show up and go, hey, God, the one you love, the one you love is tired today. Could you give me some energy? The one you love is unhealthy today, God. Why? Because love has always been a motivator for God. That if we want to see God respond, then one of the things we get to do is step in as otherworldly and go, hey, out of love, would you respond? Another one would, would be this, that um, from John's perspective is he's wrapped around the table that, that you live out your new name. That new name on your soul of love, live it out. When, when you're identifying yourself, I identify myself as I'm the beloved of God, right? I'm the beloved of heaven. Along with that, then the third one would be this, that you live out of love, not fear that I live out of who I really am, that I take God at his word and I go, God, if I am loved by you, then it doesn't matter what circumstances come. I'm not gonna be scared of the circumstances because those are earthly. I'm gonna be otherworldly and I'm gonna step in and go, I am loved, I am loved and I'm gonna live out of love, not fear. The last one would be this and it's taken out of Colossians, wear love, wear love. What do I mean? Wear love. It sounds a whole lot like this. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Forgiveness. That's what love sounds like. And when you live that way, what that does is it unites. It unites your own soul with the souls around you. How? By wearing love. And so those are four practical things that we can begin to live out. Whatever circumstances we find, wherever we find ourselves, those are things we can begin to live out. You see, here's the thing that that when it comes to being otherworldly, we either lean into what the earth, earthly world says about us, or we lean into what God actually says is true about us. And today, church family, today, you be loved by God. It is who you are. It is your name. It is the name that is imprinted on your soul, hidden in Christ Jesus, you be loved by God today. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for technology. Thank you for screens. Thank you for truth. Thank you that God today, as your family, we get to sit here as the beloved, beloved of you. That it is who we are. And so God, we just want to say thank you today. I pray over the people that are under my voice right now, God, in different spaces, different states even. God, I pray for those that today, they don't know that they're beloved of heaven because they've never stepped into a relationship with you. They've never crossed the line of faith. And today, God, I pray that they would cross that line of faith. 
I pray that today would be a day that they see you and your sacrifice as love for them to change them once and for all. And I pray that they would surrender today, that God, it's as simple as today, I give you my life. They got to pray for those that need it today, that the simple prayer would be, God, today, I give you my life. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for truth in your name. Everybody said all over the place in the chat room. Amen.